Welcome to the Give Back Economy, a podcast about social innovation and social enterprise. Now with your host, Peter Miller. Welcome and today we go to a very short drive from my residence to Scarborough, Toronto, to Suman Roy, and he has a really interesting story to tell. So let's jump right in it. Suman, where did you go to school? Hi, Peter. Glad to be here. I went to school in India, actually, in uh, Calcutta and Mumbai. And what did you take there? Uh, I started off with hospitality management and culinary management and then um, moved to the U.S. for a very short time and then came here. Okay, so... Tell me about your work experiences. So I, most of my career, I have been in hospitality and culinary with hotels like the Marriott's, uh, and then with a company called Sodexo. We were a uh, dining uh, company who were doing uh, post-secondary schools, uh, mines, corporate offices, healthcare. And then I was a national corporate chef for Campbell Soup, which you've probably heard of sometimes. <laughs> And uh, then I, what happened was it was really interesting because when I came to this country, I literally moved with $42 in my pocket and two big suitcases full of clothes because that's what happens when somebody comes from India. They bring clothes. Uh, most of the clothes are irrelevant because it's so cold that those clothes don't work. But still, you bring it. So that's what I came into this country. I didn't know anybody. I didn't know what to do. But I came because... You come here for uh, the greener pastures. So initially, uh, like a lot of first-generation immigrants, I spend my some days on the side of the street trying to figure out where to start from. And the most interesting part is our Canadian government, and this has been from generations, they have these amazing policies around immigration, and they want the most qualified people from around the world come to this country. But when they come... They do not get a job because everybody asks for Canadian experience. I tried really hard to get Canadian experience in India, and I couldn't get it. So needless to say, initially it was a very tough time. And very fast I realized that food security, it's such an important term and such an important part. But in a country like Canada, which is a first world country, there is so much food insecurity in this country. There is so many people going to bed hungry because they don't, they just don't afford. It's been over 50 years, Canada has said uh, food to be a human right. But still one in four children do not get adequate nutrition daily. So I realized that being on the street in a very early days. So back of my mind, I always wanted to do something to work towards that, to support that, and to have better food security in the community I live in. So throughout my work as a chef, on the side, I always attached myself to food security causes. I was the chair of the board of directors of Food Share for six years. I was in the Toronto Board of Health for four years, the four um, Rob Ford era, and uh, I was on the Toronto Food Policy Council. But when COVID hit, uh, one of the first thing, of course, our hospitality industry was shattered uh, with COVID. But also one thing, and, and generally when there's a pandemic and crisis, 
you get to reflect. And one thing I reflected for myself is what is the meaning of the work I'm doing? Why I'm doing what I'm doing? Is it just for a paycheck? And if anybody listening and works in the hospitality industry, they know that the paycheck is never good in, in, like in that business. So it wasn't for the money, but it wasn't for giving back. So what, were we, what, what was I doing? And that was the same time when in Scarborough Southwest, the only food bank on 16th of March, 2020, closed their doors because of COVID. So really what we need, what I did was get a few neighbors together, sit down in a legion. I remember that day clearly said, okay, people need food. We need to do something about it. So like anybody does look, take their wallet out, put money on the table and say, let's go buy some food and give it to people who need. Great idea. We go to no frills, do our shopping, come back. And then we are looking at each other and thinking, how do we know who needs this food? We got the food but how do we know who needs it? So I called up the food bank that shut down. They said, sorry, it's confidential information. We can't give you any client information. What do we do? So we put up a social media post saying, if anybody is going through a troubled time due to COVID and needs some help, let us know. And within the first two days, all across Scarborough, we had over 1,000 families reach out asking for food. We quickly realized putting money on a table, walking to no frills, shopping and coming back is not going to cut it. We need to get better. We need to figure out how we can do this. So we reached out to some of our friends. I was in the food security side of it as a volunteer for a long time. So I knew a few people. So I reached out to Daily Bread, Second Harvest, my old organization, Food Share, and they all jumped at it and said, okay, tell us what you need. If there is a need, we will solve it. And they all supported, and from there, uh, Feed Scarborough was born. And now we continue to support over three and a half thousand people every week with food access. So that's a long answer to your story. Okay, so the name is Feed Scarborough, and what is the overall purpose and mission of Feed Scarborough? So Feed Scarborough's main mission is to make sure, and this is our goal, anybody in South Scarborough, because that's where we primarily work out of is South Scarborough. Our goal is within five years of our operation, by 2025, anybody who wants access to food in South Scarborough will have access to food. Simple goal. Okay. And how we do it is a few different ways. So we believe strongly in a three-prong approach. So the food bank, we run food banks, we run four food banks, uh, we run three soup kitchens. Those are great, but those are just band-aids. We can never solve the problem of food security with food banks or, or uh, soup kitchens. However, you can't fix a wound unless and until you put a band-aid to stop the bleeding. So we do the band-aid things like the food banks. So a second approach is more of programs that's going to actually help people get out of poverty. So we have a business incubation program that our food bank clients, if anybody has a passion, we have a program to help them start their own business. We were very lucky to get some donation from TD Bank to be able to even give them a startup money to start their own business as a grant, which was amazing. So we have that program. We are starting off a culinary training program for youth for who's going to be trained in culinary. It will be a three-month full-time, and then we find them employment in the business. So we have some 
long-term programs like this that's going to actually help the community. We have two community gardens where we not only just grow, there is a huge training component because there are people who have space but doesn't know how to grow. Even people living in apartments, they have balcony. Let's learn about balcony gardening. So we do that kind of training. But none of these will be successful to solve our main goal of making sure nobody's hungry unless and until we work on the third layer, which is policy and advocacy. So we do put a lot of effort in policy. We are, non, we are bipartisan. There is uh, no color that we belong to. However, it is all about the actual policy around reducing poverty and reducing hunger. And we work a lot with all our elected officials, all three levels of government on that. How about, uh, do you work with any communities of faith? We do. Uh, in uh, Initially, right now, we do a couple of our food banks, one in a mosque, one in, one in a church. Uh, so we do a little bit. Uh, we have a lot of volunteers from uh, these organizations who comes and helps us through the process. And But advocacy piece, we are keeping it as neutral as possible, just so we can get the most out of it. So Scarborough is a multicultural community. And do you engage other communities, the marginalized groups? Absolutely. Our 68% of our clients are visible minorities. And 72% of our volunteers are visible minorities, which was really key because and and I and and it's funny. I'm going to tell you this story. <laughs> so when I came to this country, I come from India. Never left the country. I went to a food bank, and that was before Christmas, I guess, because they gave me a box of stuffing. I came home. I looked at it. I opened it and said, "Why are they giving me dry pieces of bread?" So I took it immediately and threw it in the garbage, little knowing what is stuffing and what do you do with it. But if they gave me a can of chickpeas, I know exactly what to do with it. And that is the philosophy that stuck to me. When we started our food banks, like many food banks in the country, they give a box or a bag of food. Little do people have choice what they're going to pick. Which not only is disrespectful, but it's also wastage. We are causing to more food waste because just as my example, People are throwing that they don't know. So what we did with all our food banks, all our food banks have a grocery store model. Everything is like a grocery store on shelves. Everything is price. So people come and shop and be more dignified and, cho and choose. So as soon as people walk into our doors, they get our version of a prepaid visa card where there is a balance based on the number of people in their family. And then they go shopping through the aisles and selecting what they need. And then at the end, there is a cashier who will check them out and then swipe the card that we gave them. If they have balance left over, then they can take the card home. And next week, they have more to spend. So that way, it's a lot more dignified. People have choice. But also the key thing that we realized in our early days of running Food Bank, that the first and the second week of the month, the demand of the amount of food is little lower than the third and the fourth week. When people have started running out of their money, running out of their checks, that's when the demand goes up. 
but the most of the model, it is really the same amount of food they get every week. So it was hard to really cater to that need. So with this model of people using their card and be able to bank some of their money, our version of the money, then in the first two weeks, they can take less food. And the third and the fourth week, when they need more, they can take more food because they saved up. Also, if they have a kid's birthday on the third week and they need a little more food, so they can plan and save up for it. So it's a lot more dignified and empowering uh, most of our food banks. So where do you get the food from? So a lot of our food comes from Daily Bread Food Bank and Second Harvest. But a lot of it also come, we buy as well as we uh, get donations. So that's our, we, uh, yeah, we go through, I was just looking at the numbers for last year, which was uh, till from July, f- sorry, uh, from June last 2020 till July 2021. And we bought not only just with money, but also from Daily Bread and Second Harvest, our total value of the food we distributed is little over $1.1 million. Wow. That's very impressive. It's huge. It's impressive, but it's also heartbreaking that we need to do it in this scale. Interesting. So having said that, because you've built the model, have you thought of social franchising the model to other communities? Yes, absolutely. So we have with all our models that we innovatively create, we do a learning module of it that is free to anybody who wants it. But also, uh, we are now the an anchor food bank agency for Daily Bread. So we work very closely with Daily Bread Food Bank. And also we are funded a little bit by Food Banks Canada. So what we also do, we are doing right now is working with Daily Bread and RBC to create a proper model like this for all the food banks in Toronto. Okay, but what about Vancouver? What about Montreal? And that is when we look at Food Banks Canada uh, to say that if we successfully as one municipality do it, then how can we actually spread it out to every municipality and see how they can adopt it? Because it's been success. We did it in really bare bones because we're a small grassroots organization. We use a little bit of Shopify. We use a little bit of Square. We all put all these systems together to make it work. But this is not the way that if you want to scale it, it's going to work. So you need partner and uh, RBC stepped up to support us. So we are still in the conversation with them to see how they can develop a system that can be really scaled up. And the other thing that I didn't, I forgot to mention, which I'm going to do, do so. One thing when, so I've been involved in the community for a few years now, really uh, into it. And one thing I realized that there were a lot of our community members who stigmatize food banks, who are really having a very tough time, but they do not want to come stand in front of, in line in a food bank to collect money, uh, collect food, which was a huge problem because it's not that, they're not food insecure. It's just that they're not being served. So we came up the other concept of uh, a food bank, which is uh, virtual, an online food bank, just like you shop uh, in Loblaws or in Walmart online or Amazon. 
exactly that way our food bank is on is online people can go and choose unfortunately we don't do delivery but they just come and quickly pick up a box and go so they don't have to stand in line they still have all the choice they place and it's done really well we have a lot of people who come somebody and pick up for five families and take it because they don't want everybody to come and stand so a, a lot of those are happening which is another dignified way of handling food security but also reaching the people who was being left out so tell us how you uh obtain or recruit volunteers and train them and provide recognition of the work that they do to be honest with you peter we are still learning on that front and we are still wor- working by the day it just two days ago i had a big meeting with my team and our sole focus was volunteer recruitment and retention so uh we were in the earlier days of the pandemic we were very fortunate that the community in southwest scarborough they just jumped without any questions when the whole world was shutting off and staying indoors the community came out and said let's come out and do what is needed initial days we had over 200 volunteers come weekly they used to come in the morning every day open their car trunk we used to load up with the food give them a paper with the name and addresses and they used to go and deliver so from that we are once things started opening up of course we started losing volunteers so recruiting volunteers is a big part of our job but we are still very lucky that most of our volunteers have strong passion for the local community we also work with a lot of students from high schools uh, for their volunteer hours however this is a great opportunity for us to actually get them and seeing what the real life and the real picture is it's it's kind of easy to if you have your parents foot your bill but also it's uh, really interesting to see how a lot of our neighbors live and so we get a lot of that we have a volunteer retention program actually on uh, just the day two days before thanksgiving on thursday we have a in our community garden we have a huge sit down volunteers thanksgiving meal that i'm going to cook myself so we do a lot of fun things like this because for volunteers it is not a job they don't get paid it is because they found, find a reason and they find another family outside their home and we try to keep that integrity of family even here in in the organization so your staff how many people do you have on your staff and what so, do they do so right now we are at 6 so six staff members we have one person who coordinates all the food banks we have one person who coordinates all the soup kitchens and the meal program we have an administrative assistant who does who reached out connected with you and made all the connections uh so and the, we have one person who is focused on a food security strategy for south scarborough so she's doing working in collaboration with other organizations city united way and what we want to we are leading a uh, we want to come up with a strategy food strategy that all organizations will sign off on so together we can solve the problem because it's not a problem that one one organization can solve so one person is focused on that piece we have one person who's focused on our uh, warehouse operation because we have a huge warehouse now we have a garden coordinator who manages our community gardens and then we have one operations manager who runs everybody else 
crazy. Including you. I am actually a volunteer. <laughs> I do not take any money from here. I have a day job. This is what I do as passion because it's my community, my, my, my neighborhood. Okay, so Suman, how do people find more information about your organization? What's your website? FeedScarborough.ca, F-E-E-D, Scarborough, S-C-A-R-B-O-R-O-U-G-H, dot C-A. And if somebody wanted to set up a similar uh, system, they would just... Just reach out to us. Okay. And we will be more than happy to support you and guide you. And if there is anybody here who wants to have some fun for Halloween, we are planning a Halloween haunted house in our... uh, community farm to get the community out and actually celebrate events together again in a safe way. By that, we are also doing some fundraising through that for the organization. Well, thank you for your time this morning. I love your passion and your topic is so important nationally as well as locally. So thank you for your time. Thank you, Peter, for having me. It was a pleasure chatting with you.